Tune in for a very special episode as we are celebrating International Women's Day 2020. The theme for this year is Eat for Equal. So we're going to have a bit of a chat about what does that even mean? What does it look like? And how can you get involved in International Women's Day? Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. We are so excited to have you listening today. We are going to be doing a very special episode because when this is released, it will be two days before International Women's Day 2020. And to anyone who has listened to us on the podcast, you can imagine uh, Verity and I are very behind (laughs) International Women's Day. It's Women's Day every day, but you know, we will definitely take an opportunity to celebrate women to maximize it. And this year, the theme is Eat for Equal, which um, I always find the themes for International Women's Day a bit interesting. But there are some good points. So we're going to talk through what Eat for Equal actually means um, and what they're trying to do this year and how we can all help support the mission and really help women around the world. Yeah, so they basically say that an equal world is an enabled world and how will you help forge a gender equal world? So it's by celebrating women's achievements, raising awareness against bias and taking action for equality. So I think obviously there's so much talk about, you know, equal rights when it comes to the sexes and gender um, worldwide, but I think the onus on this is really making it be to you as an individual and really trying to make you think as an individual in your daily actions and your reactions and your words, how you can help, you know, forge a gender equal world. So they cover quite a few kind of topics within the theme. So we thought we'd just kind of go through them and have a little chat about them and see how we feel about them and, you know, what what we can do and what you can do as listeners to really kind of get this momentum going and moving forward. So the first one is to champion women forging tech innovation. (laughs) So, And I think if I'm really being honest, like it's not an area I know a huge amount about. I know that there's a lot more men in tech and there's groups, especially in London called things like women who code and, you know, they try to really support that. But I definitely would say as someone that, yeah, I'm not in tech either, but in terms of definitely in London, there is so many groups that are like based around this whole idea of trying to get more women into tech and whether that's, you know, like you said, there's women in code, but there's also like there's women there's quite, I think there's quite a good strength in terms of like women that really have collectively come together. I actually think that tech is one of the main areas where I actually visibly feel that both tech companies and also just women that want to get into that space have actually come together. Like if I'm really honest, compared to some of the other categories of like industries, tech feels like somewhere where because the imbalance is so bad, like, and that's the truth, like there is so many more men that do work in tech firms. And also when we think about lots of the leaders of lots of the big tech firms, it is men, isn't it? Yeah. 
Um, yeah. And I think that's the thing as well is the idea of, yes, there's women at Code and we could be getting more people in that level, but also how do we get those people moving up? Um, I think people, I think especially what they're saying about forging tech innovation, I would think also there's a bit of a focus on like tech founders. Um, I can't remember the stats off the top of my head, but I have been to a few events in London where it always does shock me when they talk about the, like, the way that money's invested. Mm-hmm. And because tech nowadays, the way that a lot of tech companies work is around having like venture capitalists, like you've got to do your funding rounds. And because women struggle so hard in those processes, I think that's where women are being held back, possibly from doing the tech innovation, because that's where like, you actually need that injection of money to get going. Yeah. And interestingly, it's an area that I very recently started looking into more because I'm about to launch a social enterprise. And so I, even though I'm not a tech person, I'll be entering into the tech world and I'm looking for women in tech and it's really hard to find, like there's a lot of men and I just feel that I'd love, I I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's kind of someone who has the right approach rather than the gender. Um, but I do feel in the type of thing that I want to create, I need someone who will really understand the vision that I have rather than seeing it as fluffy or emotional because it's about human beings and, you know, it needs that side of it. But it was really interesting when I was looking for kind of inspiration. I listened to a seminar from Robin Exton, who is the founder of the Her app which is Mm -hmm. for uh, queer women, a dating app. And she was saying that the issue was she would go in to raise funding and it was mainly men. Yeah. So it's mainly men funding. So then there was this already this gap in they didn't really get why lesbian women needed an app. So then she Mm. had to explain that. Then she got questions like, are you actually like a lesbian or are you actually queer? Cause you don't look like a queer woman and things like that. Oh and it's just, isn't it really, and, and a woman could say that I fair, yeah. you know, but I just found it a really interesting insight into the actual reality of it. And I think like you say, Cheryl, I think you're, you're right. I think maybe there's lots of women with uh, great potential to be tech founders out there, but the uphill struggle is a bit scary and I must admit, I have to, this is out of my comfort zone and I have to be really honest that, I'm not trying to pretend I'm a tech knowledge uh, person, but that I need someone who has that knowledge to work alongside me to, you know, move into that industry. Cause it's a scary, it's like lots of gobbledygook to me at the minute and I don't really <laughs> understand it. So, but it's interesting. It's really interesting. And there definitely needs more support there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely think they do. Um, and I think, yes, at grassroots level, there's definitely movements that are happening. And I think, I think there are lots more coders that will be coming through in the next generation. Like I think there's been a real uh, push at that level, but I think in this terms of actually people that are running tech companies, people that um, are getting to certain levels in tech companies and all that side of it, I think there is definitely still room mm. to go. Definitely. And the next area that they look at is applauding equality for women athletes which I think we are all aware of in some form or another. So, I mean, the obvious kind of things that come to me is is 
pay and recognition. Yes. Um, and the probably the most prominent force within this is Serena Williams <laughs> yes! in tennis. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like she is such an advocate for equality mm. within tennis. And it makes no sense really why she shouldn't get paid the same amount as men if she pay if she plays the same amount of matches or goes to the same level in a tournament or whatever. Um and you know she's she's really an advocate for fighting for the women who are coming up you know it's kind of like she's later on in her career and she makes so much money from sponsorship and advertisement now it's not so much about the money for her I think I can really feel that she's trying to make pave the way for the women underneath her that are coming up through uh, the ranks in, in tennis, um, which is really beautiful to see. And for me, I'd say another th- uh, area would be like women's football. Yes. Like I think there's been such, uh, the Women's World Cup, mm. the last time it came around for me felt so different mm-hmm. to ever before. It was yeah. the first time I actually thought, oh no, this is actually seems to have been like cutting through to the mainstream. And I think I went to, I was going to Wembley, I think. And they'd like had all the way down from the station. It's quite a walk from the station to the actual main stadium. They had um, like loads of marketing that had all the posters and it had like all the the men like on the England team and all the women. And I was like, mm. oh, I'm sure I've never noticed anything like that before. And um, I really felt like as a country, we've definitely made an effort with the last World Cup to be like the English women deserve to, you know, be recognised in the same way. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think... It were ahead in some areas than others. Like yeah. I, if we think about cycling, I always felt like people like Victoria Pendleton yeah. were always of a similar level in terms of um, uh, kind of you know pu- publicizing and, and things like that. It, but it probably wasn't monetary wise. It probably st- and I think that's maybe where the biggest gap is mm-hmm. is monetary. So I feel like it's one step at a time. We raise the profile first, yeah. and then we get that equal pay I think the thing about equal pay as well for sports is it's actually really complicated because there's so much to do with it's around like airtime so it's about the fact is how much are these channels paying to buy the right to be able to um record and what's the word publish release I don't know what the word is I don't watch enough tv I literally can't think of what the right word is so they have they own the rights to like show the tv shows because Mm. that's where a lot of the money comes from like they make so much money from sponsorship they like they make so much money from the rights to um air shows and then that's so that's also different to actually just how much do you earn and what is the prize money for Mm. things but one of the problems is it's expensive to be in sport and Mm -hmm. so if women at the lower level aren't getting that money back it's really hard for them to like be investing in their teams and i know there has definitely been um around the Olympics, there's always a story or two, you know, about these people that basically are having to try and fund themselves. And they're like, how am I, how am I meant to support, um, compete against people that have got a whole team? But we just don't actually have this, like the ecology or the money sense of it to be able to support people when they're coming up the ranks because they just not make enough money to then be able to reinvest in the coaches and the training and support that they need. Yeah, and on on like a, a kind of different level of that, I was lucky enough a few years ago to um, hear the CEO of Sport England speak about the campaign This Girl Can, yeah. um, which, and it was so interesting hearing all the research and data that they had around, you know, even like we've said, a bit like data, um, sorry, a bit like tech, like the actual entry level of actually just making women feel like they're worthy of holding a space in, in that forum. Um, 
and not being ashamed of lack of knowledge or bodies or whatever. And so that, you know, even starting again, going back to what you said, that grassroots level, it's so interesting to see the work that has been done and that empowerment that is, is really being acted upon now. Um, so the next area is forge inclusive workplaces so women can thrive. And it says the mission is to champion women of all backgrounds who dare to innovate, lead and uplift others towards a more equal and inclusive workplace. <laughs> Heavy. <laughs> <laughs> so were, were we having a conversation, Sherelle, where we were talking about um, management and leaders and you were reading a book was it lean lean out, lean out Did, yes. yes so say because that was really interesting so i have been reading ooh, a, a book called lean out by dawn foster which is sort of like the anti-lean in by cheryl sandberg and there was like lots of conversations around like women being um because lean in is all around women trying to thrive in a corporate environment and how do they get to the top but there's this um, this conversation around that is just one part of the problem with feminism. And actually, when we're talk, concentrating on like corporate feminism, we're looking at the top and we're saying, mm. you know, the conversations we have for a long time have been like, you know, why are there more people, was it more CEOs called John in the FTSE 250 than there are women? Oh, God. <laughs> that was, yeah, there was a stat that was going around for ages about that. And it's a very similar one um, for the American S&P. So it's this idea that we what we've started to benchmark is this idea of how many people get into the top mm. and so you know we're, there's always big news when a woman becomes a new CEO of a company especially if there's never been a woman in that role before and conversations like that but actually I think you know this thing about inclusive workplaces this is about we need to be looking at like all levels because actually there was there there are multiple reasons why people don't get to the top and there are also some women don't want to get to the top but are we allowing women to actually get to the place they want to get to. Like, I think what we see more and more, like um, the negative side of it is, we basically see like more women than men normally graduate now from the UK in terms of like getting a degree and getting a master's. But then that doesn't then reflect what happens in the workplace. Yeah. And actually like there's this thing about being inclusive is like, are we, this isn't just about trying to set some targets and get some people, but are we actually making a really a workplace that does support women? And like it says to thrive, like, uh, and this is going back to, you know, some of the changes we need to make in terms of like flexibility within the workplaces and like also like just like the feelings of workplaces. Like there are some places where I think the, the male, energy and the dominance and the environment and the culture just means actually women are like I don't want to be mm. in this sort of environment yeah and I'm actually reading Thrive by Ariana Huffington at the minute have you read it I yeah, assume read it yeah yeah um <laughs> and that it's quite interesting because it fits quite nicely in with that and it's about how success like typical version of success is driven on you know how high you get how much you earn the title you have and actually we're in a new world now where that's just caused burnout it's caused heart yeah. attacks it's caused retiring at 45 because you just cannot cope anymore and she gives some really prominent examples and it's you know this is where the feminine energy needs to come in where yeah we were ambitious women we're independent we're strong but we have that nurture side to us where we know that you know we have to switch off at certain times otherwise we'll just crash and really like looking after and listening to ourselves and it's like you need a workplace that respects that rather than criticizes it yeah and 
then sees it as weak. You need it, you know. And it's like when I've been a manager, like I've allowed people to work from home who have children because I know the fulfillment they will get from taking their children to school, picking them up, and that they will probably work harder because they're just more balanced. They're just Mm -hmm. happier because they're not missing out on another important aspect of their life. And, you know, I was criticized for it from some people and I just thought yeah but you don't understand the reason I'm you know I'm doing it so that person is a happier person generally so the work that they produce is better like yeah. it's as simple as that to me and I think this is where women leaders have that real advantage and that for most part we can see that emotional intelligence side of things um and really add to that so but yeah, I think um, I feel I've sometimes I feel like that's a long way off, but I think we're slowly getting there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the next one is support women to earn on their own terms and in their own way. So I think this again, it's kind of feeding into what we've just discussed. And it's about that flexibility and that a woman doesn't have to do a nine to five in an office. Like she can become a photographer or a yoga teacher, whatever she should choose and allow that woman to do that because she may do that because then she has more time with her children or she may do that. So she has more time to travel or whatever it may be. So it's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And I think what they're trying to say as well, I suppose that also is the like the opposite of the workplaces. So we're trying to say no matter what women want to do, like if you want to make it on your own, like if you do want to be self-employed and freelance or set up your own business mm. or whether you want to work in the workplace, like however you decide, you should want to make your own money. You should be able to do that. And again, it just connects a bit back to that thing about tech innovation, which is like, again, it's around funding, it's around support, you know, to start your own business, there's often like people about mentoring, women, for example, I would say one of the main things about trying to earn money in your own terms is about the support you have around you. And, you know, it's very often that you'll see people that have started businesses that know other people, and then therefore they can have the right connections and they know how to ask the right questions and actually some women aren't in those circles for example and so it's like actually you know how do you get the sort of business advice you might need um if you're the first person like from your family or the first person in your circle that is trying to make money outside of the usual clock in clock out there you go here's your paycheck yeah yeah and and just and I think allowing women to feel that they're worthy of that, I think it comes back to a bit of worth as well. It's one of our, I suppose, challenges as women that imposter yeah. syndrome creeps in in quite a lot of areas, depending on how we were raised, et cetera. So, um, so the next one is empower women through health education. So to assist women to be in a position of power for making informed decisions about their health. I think this is a huge one. Mm. I feel for one of the richest countries in the world, our health education for women is absolutely diabolical. And the more I become at ease with learning about my body, which I will admit, I've always been very British and frigid to learn about the more intimate parts about my body because I've always been made to feel it's an area that, you know, you don't talk about or whatever. I just, I, I just am astounded by how poor the knowledge is amongst women of certain things. And like, I recently watched a Goop episode about self-pleasure 
and they spoke a lot about the vulva and it's not the vagina it's the vulva the vagina is just the birth canal the vulva is actually the whole of the kind of intimate area of a woman and you know even watching it the first time around I was like cringing I was like oh, <laughs> oh. um and then I thought god I don't really know my own anatomy yeah. like I don't really know what's in there and probably the men and women I've slept with probably have a better idea than I do and you think geez like how have I got to 33 and I'm like still a bit unaware of a part of my body that's so fundamental to me but I think it's like you know the fact is for most people we aren't taught that sort of stuff like we like most people would have been in like education would have taught in a mixed sex environment like if you went to school and you never did anything so I think I remember in year six we had like one session where the boys and girls got split apart <laughs> and we had like one session where they like would talk about yeah. periods and that was basically it. I think someone showed you where like the talented towel bin was in the toilet in the bathroom. And they probably said some other things. I mean, I was young, but I remember that's the only time I can ever remember anything within mm. like the school system. And I'm not saying the school system is where you should be learning that, but then we all know that our doctors reverend and are like, you're not going to, like, you're not going to ask, you're not going to go to a doctor to ask that. So it's like, well, where does it, where are you meant to get that education from? If it isn't meant to be in the school system, then where should we be going? Um, I got it all from magazines, yeah. which I now look back and I don't think it was a good thing. Like just 17, Miz, I don't yeah. know if you remember these. Bliss. And Bliss. Oh my God, <laughs> Bliss. And, you know, and this is, I've spoken briefly about this before, but this is why I never came out as bisexual because all the magazine said was all women fancy other women a little bit. So I thought, oh, like what I feel is just totally normal. And what I didn't realize was that actually, no, I was... I didn't just like like other women. I like I could imagine spending my life with them, and mm. and that's you know it it really harmed like my relationship with my sexuality, if I'm honest. And you know there was no LGBTQ plus sex education when I was at school, and you know I know that there is now, but also people are trying to ban it like yeah. certain areas, and it it's just it's just crazy. And another big thing for me is like the HPV virus, which I oh. unfortunately contracted which I you know your body naturally gets rid of it but I had no idea about this mm. no idea until I got a smear test and I had abnormal cells and I had to have a biopsy and then all of a sudden I was like how do we not know this as women like it's something like 90% of women get it it's like a common cold they say yeah but it causes cancer in some aspects and I just I think the more I've really thought about the education of, of health when it comes to women, I'm I'm really, really shocked at how poor it is. And I just, I mean, if there's anyone listening who has a young daughter in school right now, if you can let us know if it's improved, because, you know, me and Sherelle don't have children. And I would love to know that we're talking more openly about these things and just really empowering women about their bodies. But I just, I just don't know. I don't know. And like you say, where does it happen? Who feels like they're responsible for that? Yeah. That Cause I think it just probably falls through the cracks a bit. And I think, you know, someone will probably be saying, well, that's your responsibility as a parent to do it. But then parents feel awkward about having that conversation and they think that the school's doing it and the school thinks the health system's doing it. And basically no one is. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I feel, I feel positive about this. I feel like we are moving forward, but I do, I think you need someone around you to be an advocate of this to really like bring it to you, you know, yeah. so you can then develop through that. Um, and the final area that they talk about is increased visibility for women creatives. 
And I think this is really a big one. And just before we went on to record, I was saying about the Brit Awards, which was amazing because it was like so diverse in terms of race. Um, but then there were very few women on it. You know, it was, there weren't that many women performers. Um, and the other one is um, Reading Festival this year. I know that when it was announced, there was quite a bit of backlash because, I mean, there's just barely any female performers. Like I'm looking at the the kind of lineup now and it, you know, you have to really work your way down a bit before you get to a female performer. See, I find that really interesting because as someone that's like in the creative industries, I feel like I see a lot of women. And I think this is one of the things, again, that's like, it's so different from different like art forms. So, you know, you could, because if you're in a world where you, like you're looking at music and it's like the types of genres that go to like Leeds and Reading, for example, it's like, okay, maybe that's why it's got skewed. But then if you were looking at like live portrait then it might be all women and I think this is the thing is like mm-hmm. actually you can be in your little bubble of a creative and you know because I, I obviously my background was in dance and there would be lots of women like there's lots of female choreographers in that space but I was always very conscious that the couple of companies that got to the top that got like significant funding so that they could they could get funding for three years from the government basically so they really could build a strong company were mainly men and so there's this idea that there would be I'd be around lots of creative women and I always felt there was lots of them but then there's only certain ones that were actually had that visibility and had that profile and were getting that financial backing to really go to the next level and actually one of the biggest things I always felt was this idea of like how are we helping people to like take this from being like a part-time thing to being like this is a fully funded company and then this is going to leave a legacy like you know there are some companies that now I feel like they even if the, the choreographer that they're named after was to die they still live on like Alvin Ailey is a dance company that I absolutely love from America that has lived on since he's died sort of thing mm. so it's this idea of how we've got to get to a certain level of visibility for that to happen like you actually have to really be giving people the support um, and profile for that to to happen yeah and I think if you think about industries like hairdressing or chefing or you know art and you know maybe more modern art like it's it's still male dominated Mm -hmm. even though there's probably equally the same amount of women who are within those areas if not more like hairdressing I'm sure there's a lot more female hairdressers than there are male but you know all the majority of the hairdressers we look up to are are male I'd probably say makeup artistry is an area where women do dominate Mm. um which is is great and it's just it's like how do we um mirror that in other in other areas in other creative industries um and yeah I just it's just been I think it's been interesting in terms of music because I think that's where it's really shone through um and yeah I think I know Glastonbury do try to get a 50 50 but they admit sometimes it's hard and like it's going isn't it going back to what we're saying it's you know are there fewer incredible women in these areas because of the barriers to entry at the start you know is yeah, it as I mean, simple as that I mean I think because I my genuine belief is it's not it's not about right at the start it's about the next bit if I'm okay. really, like from me from my perspective I think with a lot of them I think I think if I talk about tech if I think about starting my own business if I think about inclusive workplaces I think most of them 
there you can start I think mm. it's easy to start and it's easy to have a passion and it's easy to start going but I think without the right support systems to push through the challenges that women then face I think is where we get to the issues and I think that's why what I class is like the drop-off which is yeah. this idea of yes there's lots of people that are all sitting at home and they're all drawing and they're selling stuff on Etsy but then why are they don't they're not getting to the next level why is it the card mm. makers that then don't actually get their card stopped by someone else and they don't get picked up and like it's not you get what I mean it's that thing for me is this idea of how do you go from grassroots to like self-sustaining thriving environment yeah yeah and and like you say it's to do with maybe the the network then around you and if that network is predominantly male or whatever you know it that's maybe could, could be where you you struggle to then kind of raise higher so yeah I think I mean I think like you said at the start <laughs> the, these themes and uh, <laughs> are never that clear but um I think now we've gone through it it feels a bit clearer it's about really trying to champion women in areas that are probably typically dominated by men I think that's that's really what it's trying to get to isn't it um and yeah I mean there's uh, stuff going on across the country to support us oh there? yeah there'll be definitely if you if you I think you can go on the website and they do tell you all events yeah I'm like there's likely to be lots of events there's likely to be something near you and yeah I think one of the things they're really trying to highlight again is yeah is celebrating women's achievement I think one of the things that's interesting about the last point was about like visibility and I think visibility is a real important thing um about don't just do great work and let it like it be in the corner and you keep it to yourself like you have to do something to profile yourself you have to do stuff for you and you also have to be supporting the other women that you do see great um doing great work and then coiling out um bias like they say this one of the things they want to do is raise awareness against bias and there's lots that's written around the way that because bias is so much part of our society it's, it's taking a long time to get it back out and mm. even for people who are conscious you know I say I still say things I think oh gosh I shouldn't have said that because it's so ingrained in us it takes a long time to get it back out <laughs> I know and don't kill me for saying this but haven't you just been nominated for yes I have <laughs> right. yes so digital women so their awards is the day after so theirs is on the Monday the night so it's after International Women's Day so it's part of all the celebrations they've nominated me they've not nominated me they've highlighted me as a woman to watch in 2020 which I'm super excited about um and I'm really like it's a great list of women it's actually it was interesting because I basically looked through the list without having known I was uh had been highlighted I hadn't read my emails I'm awful you know oh my like. god. <laughs> <laughs> well and then you just saw your name yeah I was oh like, my gonna, god yeah. so I was just going through because also just to see what other women and actually like if I'm really honest about that list of women I genuinely was like, I don't know many of these names. And that's the point. There was like so many women mm. across that are doing great things, but they're doing it in their own little bubble and they're supporting their own little community. And there's a, you, we all have to try and be like, how can we take that to the next level? Because I genuinely was shocked to think, wow, all these people they've highlighted, like all these great women that are doing great work. And some of them, I felt like I should have known who they were and I just didn't. And that just really proves this point that um, we do need to be more active about pushing ourselves forward and highlighting ourselves, but also like just, you know, highlighting the other women around us that are doing great work and like together, hopefully that will help to improve the profile of people and the work they're doing and it will start to filter through. Yeah, well, huge congratulations. Very, very proud of you. (laughs) 
Um, so I think that's a nice note to finish on. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, go on the website, we'll put the uh, link in the show notes, have a look at what events are going on around near you. Um, because I think it's a really great opportunity just to get involved and really kind of, you know, empower yourself and the other women around you. Um, and once again, thank you so, so much for listening. We've really enjoyed recording this episode if you have any comments or questions you can find us on instagram free and figuring it out or email us free and figuring it out at gmail.com and we'll see you next week thank you so much for listening to this episode of free and figuring it out don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next installment and if you want to be a superstar please leave us a review or you can get in touch with us drop us an email at free and figuring it out at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you until next time